Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, Apple makes a push into terrestrial radio and one data point that favors Republicans in next week's midterms. But first, the flip side of social media. So whenever we hear about social media nowadays, and Twitter in particular, it's usually, uh, well, awful. Someone being harassed or bullied or outright threatened. It seems for every piece of valuable information, there can be dozens of tweets just meant to inflame or misdirect. And all of that's very real and, of course, worthy of more discussion. But today, I want to remind you that every once in a while, social media can actually be a force for good. So here's a story of a guy named Aaron Gouveia, who is a public relations professional who goes by the Twitter handle at Daddy Files, where he often writes about raising his three boys in central Massachusetts. Last week, his middle son, five-year-old Sam, decided to wear nail polish to school because he thought it made his nails look, in his words, beautiful. But once Sam got to school, a lot of his friends disagreed, and he was teased and called names. And when the school day ended, in Aaron's words, Sam collapsed into his mother's arms and cried uncontrollably. So Aaron tweeted about it, with Sam's permission. It got retweeted 38,000 times and liked over 75,000 times. It also got over 4,000 comments, many of whom were other men who painted their fingernails in solidarity with Sam and posted photos. It even got this social media response from football star Rob Gronkowski. Hey, Sam, what's up? It's Rob Gronkowski here. I heard some kids at school were giving you a hard time for wearing some nail polish. I just want to say stay strong and do what makes you the happiest and keep being yourself. The bottom line here, Twitter is never going to be a social media paradise, and the company must continue to improve its moderation. But there are still times it can be used to reflect the best of us, and not the worst. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Aaron Gouveia. But first, this. Axios chief technology correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C., Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Aaron Gouveia, a PR person by day, daddy blogger by night, and father to five-year-old Sam. So, Aaron, I summarized your story a bit in the open, but can you explain to me what caused you to go on what became kind of a 20-tweet tweet storm about this particular incident? First of all, as a parent, you hate seeing your kid just devastated and if that uh, Twitter thread seemed a little angry, it's because I was angry. It's really hard to see your kid like that. But this is a topic I've hit many times in the past. It's never blown up like this before. But as the dad of three boys, the whole idea of toxic masculinity is something that's been very important to me. And so when this happened, I saw it as yet another opportunity to try and make some good out of it. And thankfully, you know, that's exactly what came out of it. You know, this Twitter can really go either way sometimes when you put yourself out there. You've had some things go viral before. Have those been positive experiences as well? No. Uh, well, I mean, mostly no. It's been a lot more negative than this one was. I went viral about eight years ago after confronting some anti-choice protesters in Boston who were harassing my wife on a very, very difficult day. And while we did get some great support from people, got some really meaningful personal stories from people who, you know, wrote in and supported us, that was largely negative. There were threats. They found 
our number was unlisted, but they found my parents' number. They called them up at home and started talking about what a horrible kid they were raising. So I've been on that side of things. I've seen the ugliness firsthand, and this was a very different experience, thankfully. Given that, why stay on Twitter and why keep putting yourself, put your family out there? Obviously, it kind of pays off in this case. Can you talk to me a bit, the thinking? Because there's a lot of people, as you know, who've had bad experiences, who've just said, I'm done with this, moving on, delete the app. They have. Maybe it's being just plain stubborn. I don't ever want to feel like I'm being bullied off any platform. And, uh, you know, I am pretty stubborn. I'm very outspoken. And I would feel like letting some really negative people drive me off somewhere that I've really liked being for the most part is not acceptable. And I don't have the biggest platform, but I take what little platform I have and I talk about the things that are important to me. This is one of them. And I think it's worth it. And I also think it's worth noting that I asked Sam if I could post it. I asked my wife if I can post these things. They both said yes. So when it comes to things that have a chance of influencing my family and having an impact on them, I always get their permission. Sometimes they say no. This time they said yes, because they also thought it was an important message. Now, obviously, there's no way to know things for sure. But why do you think this one seemed to resonate in such a positive way, this particular tweet storm about Sam and his fingernails? I wish I knew. I've been thinking about that a lot. I've written similar things about this topic, and they've never blown up anything remotely like this. This one, I don't know. I just think sometimes you, you know... Maybe it's because people are a little burnt out on hearing news about politics. Maybe this was just something that was a breath of fresh air. Maybe they recognized it in themselves. You know, I had a lot of parents write in telling me that their sons were also bullied like this and they gave wearing the nail polish up and it's too bad. So I just, I don't know, It's there seems to be a an undercurrent there of a whole group of people who feel this way, but don't always like to really talk about it openly because, you know, even they get made fun of. So when they saw a groundswell of support, I think they were heartened by it. Sam's five years old, and, and I'm thinking back to my own kid at five, probably not reading or not reading well enough to be, you know, scanning Twitter and reading all the, the comments. How have you conveyed to him what the Twitter response has been and what's his reaction to that been? His reaction has been great. He's loved it. In fact, when it blew up overnight that first night, Sam was really 50-50 on whether or not he wanted to go to school with his nails painted the next day. And before I left for work that day, right about the time my phone started lighting up like a slot machine, I showed him some of the pictures of people sending their nails, big tough guys, firemen, doctors, lawyers, you name it, sending pictures of them with nail polish on. And he saw that and it, it really had an impact with him. And, and honestly, that was what put him over the edge for wearing his nail polish the next day. Read him the supportive tweets. Obviously, I'm not going to read him the terrible tweets and I've been doing a lot of blocking, but he knows that there's an army of people out there. And even last night when when we went trick-or-treating, total strangers telling us how much they loved his nails, they recognized them. And he really took to that and it helped a lot. Has that translated at all into school for him? And obviously these kids aren't all on Twitter, so it's a different universe, but the parents are. Yeah, well, the school, the school's been great. The school didn't step in at first and that's by design because Sam didn't tell them because we tell Sam, you know, unless you're under duress, unless you're facing harm, try and first talk to other kids about what's going on and see if you can resolve it. And that's what he was doing. Once the school found out about it, though, they used it as a teaching moment. They incorporated it into their anti-bullying programs. The challenge now with a five-year-old is uh, making sure this doesn't go to his head. And he found out the hard way that you can't misbehave just because you're on TV. That doesn't make it acceptable. So now we have to tell him that, you know, you're not always right just because you got popular for a hot second on the Internet. He is a Patriots fan. You guys live in Franklin, Massachusetts. What was his reaction to the Gronk tweet? <laughs> he didn't quite grasp it at first. It took a few 
plays. And then it took really just telling him that this was an actual, because he's used to seeing Gronk on TV and, you know, social media. I'll show him some videos and stuff. And so I think he thought it was an interview. But once he realized it was Gronk talking directly to him, he really lit up. And um, for being honest, I might have been a little more excited. I might have been a 39-year-old <laughs> man jumping around the living room, not confirming that. But yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Thank you very much to Aaron Gouveia for sharing his story with us. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter, faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is a Financial Times report today that Apple is considering an investment in iHeart, the massive terrestrial radio broadcaster that filed for bankruptcy earlier this year. Now, the talks are still preliminary and might not result in any deal at all. But Apple's very interest reminds us that regular radio still has a place in the age of digital streaming. So remember, iHeart has over 850 stations, which means it still has the ability to break new musical acts. And it's also got a big audience arguably an older audience that Apple Music hasn't yet been able to reach. So just like e-commerce companies have begun to move into physical retail, don't be surprised to see digital music try to take a piece of the traditional airwaves. And finally, the midterms are next Tuesday, and Axios's Harry Stevens dug into the numbers and learned the Republicans have a slim lead when it comes to congressional campaign contributions from Fortune 500 companies. So this data covers around $180 million in contributions and found that while the overall GOP advantage was 52-48, there were some industry variations. For example, 80% of the energy sector's $8.5 million of contributions went to Republicans, but 86% of the tech sector's $18 million went to Democrats. Next Tuesday, everyone will learn if they bet on the right horses. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, have a great National Deep Fried Clams Day. And please remember to watch Axios on HBO, which premieres this Sunday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. As for me, I'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata podcast. <laughs> 